0: Did Don Draper really buy the world a Coke? Did Tony Soprano really die or just order more onion rings? Were those guys really in hell the whole time or was that just the audience? The finales of our favorite shows can make us argue, make us cry, and make us crazy. From Spotify and The Ringer, I'm Andy Greenwald and this is Stick the Landing, a new podcast where we'll be telling the story of modern TV backwards, one fade out at a time each episode, a guest and I will choose a celebrated series from history, from the 70s to the streaming era and beyond, and do a deep dive on its very last episode. Was it all a dream? Did it turn into a nightmare? And most importantly, what can we learn about tomorrow's new shows from the way yesterday's ended? TV is a journey. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast about the destination. Starting January 17th, find Stick the Landing on Wednesdays on the Prestige TV feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.
2: This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like Available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com.
3: NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben and Craig Horlbeck. We are coming to NFL Draft Show on the Rio Fantasy Football Show feed every Wednesday at some point after the season at a point to be determined in the future. We will be changing the name of this whole feed, the whole shebang, which will be Whoa. called the Rio NFL Draft Show. So just hit follow or subscribe or whatever. So for your own sake, it's not even like we're begging. It's just like, it'll be easier for you. We don't have to remind you. Just do it.
4: Don't write that we're begging. Don't write no, that in the newspaper. No, don't put it
3: in the newspaper. <laughs> Nobody not, panic. You're <laughs> asking me, really. It, Uh, wildcard weekend is over. We've got three quarters of the NFL draft order is set. So we're going to go through the top 10 ish teams and just kind of vibe out what we think they might do. What do they need? What honestly, what player is going to go in the top 10? Uh, before we do that though, this is, I feel like an entire era of football history ended between the seven days of the last time we recorded with you. Solak. since you were on the show, Nick Saban retired, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll were fired. Uh, Saban and Belichick were both replaced. The Patriots hired Gerard Mayo as the head coach and then mm-hmm. Alabama hired uh, Kalen DeBoer. And then the Eagles and Cowboys both give up a combined 80 points and were knocked out of the first round of the playoffs. And now Philly and Dallas might perhaps fire their head coaches as well. And so I just, let's cut to the chase. Solak, do you want Bill Belichick to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles?
5: No. I, <laughs> I, it, it, It's the sort of thing, like, I, 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 my Eagles fandom has dramatically changed as I've, like, covered the team and now as I cover the league. But there's still parts of, like... Eight-year-old Eagles fan Ben that like burst to the surface and Did the he idea die of, like, yesterday.
3: What's that? Did eight-year-old Ben Eagles fan A- die A- yesterday?
5: A- A- eight-year-old Ben knew that Eagles were losing that game just as well as twenty-six-year-old Ben knew Eagles <laughs> were losing that game. We're 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 on yeah. lockstep on that one. But if I see Bill Belichick in Eagles gear and I have to root for him, uh, eight-year-old Ben's gonna be like just disgusted, just furious. It's, it's Tom Brady, <laughs> Tony Romo, Bill Belichick. I can never look at them and like feel good at all ever. And so I I, I don't. I don't think Belichick to the Eagles makes sense. Uh, Howie Roseman has the most influence over the coaching staffs of any GM in the league. Belichick is used to being his own GM. Like, they are polar opposites in terms of organizational stability. Uh, I think Belichick's just trying to kind of get the win total record and get out. And, like, I, Philly can do that for you with Jalen Hurts, but so can, like, the Chargers with Justin Herber. Like, I don't think he needs Philly. Dak and the Cowboys, he can do it there, too. Uh, I don't think the pairing makes a lot of sense. If, if they get Belichick, I'm going to... Pretty quickly, you know. You'll talk About, yourself into
4: it.
6: Go yeah. coach, baby, Absolutely. let's
5: go. But for right now, when it's theory, no.
6: It's so funny how that stuff can switch. Like, I hated Chris Paul for my entire life. He was on the Warriors and, like, they won the first game. And I'm like, man, CP on the Warriors. Like, yeah, kind of love it. Yeah,
5: he's, he's improved, actually, in a lot of He's a vet. He, yeah, he's like yeah, crazy. Yeah.
3: Distributing so the, Yankees, the ball. The Yankees get Johnny Damon from the Red Sox. We ritualistically shave him, like the weird Yankee thing, you know, cut his hair. And we're like, ah, oh, this is our guy <laughs> now. I'm like, straight, right, let's go. Uh, DK, the Seahawks also, you have a head coach opening. We talked a lot about Pete Carroll. Yeah. You have said both that people should not overthink this and hire Bill Belichick, but do you actually want Bill Belichick for the Seahawks head coach?
4: I I think it's similar to Ben. I wouldn't be, I would talk myself into it very quickly. You know what I mean? Like, especially if he's not handling the, like if he's just doing the coaching part, like turning around the Seahawks defense would be great. Like the Seahawks have a lot of talented players on their defense. If he could figure out how to fix that, that'd be awesome. Um, John Schneider is not going to hire a coach that is going to run personnel and run the coaching staff. So it, the buck stops at, uh, at Schneider now, and I don't think Belichick is going to want that. And therefore, I don't think he's going to be a Seahawks coach, but um, I would quickly talk myself into it. That's how this works. Right now, in my heart of hearts, I'd rather have an offensive coach. I think that's like really, you know, the thing that's actually going to get me excited is having one of these like. Young, exciting, up, up and coming play callers like as one of those guys. Uh, that's really where my heart is.
6: So you don't want Dan Quinn? Do you think they canceled that interview? No. Like as the Dallas game was unfolding, they're like, you know what? I think we're all right.
4: No, they actually announced it the day after the game <laughs> Great ended. Bit. But, Great bit, yeah, excellent. Like we got to help our guy
5: out. Let's let everybody know we're, we're going to be a head coach. That's, that's uh, good culture.
4: Yeah. I mean, for the record, I was against the Dan Quinn thing uh, before that game happened because I think a lot of Seahawks fans are excited about you know. What Dan the way that Dan Quinn has evolved as a defensive play caller, how his defense has changed, how he Michael, how he used Michael Parsons, etc. Um, but to me, it's like I, I don't really get the idea of bringing in like an old Carroll guy. Why would you fire Carroll if you're just going to bring in like Carroll too? You know what I mean? It's, it just doesn't make any sense.
6: How often does the head coach turned coordinator back to head coach thing ever really work? Once.
5: I don't have one in mind. I'm just assuming at some point one has happened.
3: <laughs> no one gives them a chance. I think that's what's amazing. Like Steve Spagnuolo has won, what, three Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator? He was head coach of the Rams 15, like 13 years ago. Awful season. Terrible. It's like 12 years ago. Now we have coordinators. Bobby Sloak's been a coordinator the league for like eight months. And it's like, all right, head coach material. And I'm like, he's done very well. But I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's weird to me. I, I, I'm curious uh, what you think about this, Solak, because I feel like to grossly oversimplify all this, just as we look at head coaching, there's a weird trend right now where head coaches in the NFL, there's like the CEO coach of like, there's an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and they're man, Bill Belichick. I mean, I know he's been defensive coordinator at at times, but like they're running everything. John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, you know, Pete Carroll, who can be coordinator, but like they're kind of overseeing everything on top of the clock. They're managing. And then there are these offensive coordinators that are the Kyle Shannon, the Sean the where to me, it's more akin to a, a larger company buying a smaller company to get the IP. It's like, you're hiring them as a head coach to get the offense mm-hmm. just and hoping that they're good at running the team in the building because right. you think that they're good at the quarterback. And is there a point where we might swing a little too far in assuming that, Hey, Bobby Slowick had a great game plan for CJ Stroud this year, this season in the playoffs. So he should run the entire team. Or is that just like pretty clearly what's working?
5: The, the, the general idea of the logic offense wins games in the NFL my head coach allows me to protect what uh, the fact that I have a head, a head coach not going to go anywhere unless I fire him allows me to protect him. And so if I have a a guy who, who executes a system an offensive play caller, and I elevate him to head coach, then I can secure my offensive system and I, and, and offense is what's winning games. It's like that logic I think is generally sound. However, I think we absolutely have swung very far, right. With like, all right, Bobby Slevick, like I, I, Bobby Sloak's been a good OC. I've been impressed. This Browns game was the first game of the Texans whole season where I walked away being like, man, Sloak really like is the guy who blew me away in this one. Like it's been Shroud and Nico Collins and Tank Dell. This is the first like Sloak's running the good stuff, but it's not like he like Mike McDaniel revolutionizing the Dolphins sort of thing. He's just running the hits like it's, you know, he's good OC. Don't get me wrong. But I I don't experience him the way like I experienced McVay when McVay got the Rams job or or McDaniel McDaniel got the Dolphins job in terms of like, oh, yeah, this guy might be like a revolutionary. This guy might be changing the way we think about offensive football. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Bobby Slow goes to the Titans next year, walks out. He's got nine receivers going 12 different directions. Uh, Who knows? We'll find out.
3: All right. I think it's a good thing to keep in mind. Honestly. (laughs) I don't know, it reminds me almost, Craig, I'm sure there's some like Hollywood comparison of like Tom Cruise or actors or directors owning their movies or whatever, but I just think it's it's a good table setter for as we get to the draft order and everything of just like who's actually making these decisions. That's not always set right now, but we'll get to the draft order and we're just going to vibe this out. So we're going to go back forth here with Solak and DK. First pick, Bears, then it's Commanders, Patriots, Cardinals, Chargers, Giants, Titans, Falcons, Bears, Jets. We'll go through all of them and then also get to, I, I think actually the next 10's also interesting too, but starting here, number one pick, the Chicago Bears, courtesy of the old Carolina Panthers and the David Tepper tantrum, uh, Bears have the first pick in the draft. They get to pick between USC quarterback Caleb Williams, North Carolina's Drake May,
5: who has declared. What a relief! <laughs> or Justin Fields, or they can. There just we go. Justin Fields,
3: right? Or Justin Fields. So yeah, Caleb May finally right at right at the the buzzer kind of declared for the NFL draft. I don't really know what he was waiting Caleb for. Williams. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sorry. What did I say? I Caleb, Caleb May. May,
4: which I've I've done several times. It's like you just mix them together.
3: Is that I'm a just person? Nash. Uh, hey. Maybe the Caleb. so I mean there's a lot of May brothers. I still can't get over Drake May's brother was Luke May, who made the buzzer beater for the UNC. I know. Anyway, yeah, it's crazy. He's such a hairy guy, and Drake May doesn't have much hair. It's weird.
5: <laughs> there's a director of library services in Manhattan named uh, Caleb May, Manhattan, Kansas. I should say according to LinkedIn. <laughs>
3: <That's>, that <laughs> Manhattan, Kansas. I remember the other day, and someone was like, "Oh, oh, we were talking about Kevin Clark went to Miami of Ohio, right? Yeah, <laughs> the U. Uh, anyway, so like. Hard question, but Bears, Matt Aberflus is the head coach. They're sticking with him. So everything we mm-hmm. know right now, do you think the Bears go Caleb Williams or Drake May or Dorsey? I think they
5: pick a quarterback at one. And I think they trade fields. Uh, they brought in Greg Roman as an interview this week for OC. That's and interesting. That guy, hey, wait a minute. I know what Greg Roman's for. He's for the QB run game. I call BS on that. If they hire him, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll update. Just interviewing him, I like that. <laughs> just bringing him in for a few hours. How you been, Greg? Yeah, you you just, you just want the tweet on that one. Uh altogether the the thing like wherever you estimate Fields, he's the 14th best quarterback. He's the 21st best quarterback. Is so these still improving? The ceiling, consistent offense. DJ Moore, whatever. The value of a rookie contract quarterback is so difficult to overcome and i know bears fans like the idea of like well we trade the first overall pick for three first round picks and we get a rookie contract wide receiver and a rookie contract left tackle and it all adds up yeah if you hit on every pick if you hit on all of them and the, you actually get the positions to be that premium and justin fields keeps getting better it's a real thin needle it's a real tough a tough eye to thread uh, in general it's really hard to say no to Caleb Williams and Drake May. A- a- and the five years of cost cost control play you get from them. Look across the league. Look what Stroud's doing for the Texans, man. I mean, like, as you, if you, if you hit on the rookie quarterback, the catapult is so worth it. You just can't say no. And so I think they I think they trade fields. I think they'll they'll, you know, present, oh, maybe we keep him. That locker room likes him a lot. I would not want to put a rookie in a position right. where he's missing DJ Moore. And then more comes to the sideline, starts chatting to Justin Fields. I think that's a tough spot for a rookie. So I think you got to keep you got to you got to take the rookie. And you got to trade Fields. We're going to talk a lot about about a lot more over the next three or four months.
4: I'm willing to move off of that opinion, but that's where I'm at right now.
3: DK, which one do you think they take? Caleb Williams or Drake May?
4: I mean, I think Caleb Williams is probably the overwhelming mm-hmm. favorite. I wouldn't say that it's set in stone, um, yeah. but it's going to be Caleb Williams probably right now if I had to guess.
6: Do you guys think that Caleb Williams and Drake Mayer are the only two quarterbacks in this draft that you would rather have over Justin Fields? Ooh.
4: You could convince me on Jaden Daniels, I feel mm. like. I've been watching him a lot lately. Yeah. Um, I, I I still... I, I have been a Justin Fields fan. Like, I've been a Justin Fields supporter. Like, I think there's something there. But I also think... Kind of like Ben was saying, there there has to be like a jump. There he still hasn't made the jump to the point where I'm like, this is gonna be a long-term starter in the NFL. Like he still processes too slowly, takes too many stacks. Can he work through that and get over that and get you like get to the next level? Mm-hmm. I think it's possible, but um that's a pretty big deal. Like that's all it's it's close to a deal breaker. If he never improves on that, that's a deal breaker to me. And so he has to he has to speed things up and for Justin Fields. Justin Fields, yes. So that's why I think you could convince me to take a guy like Jaden Daniels who is not a perfect prospect by any means but um pretty quick processor has a ton of you know value as a runner like he's a really good runner he's up there I don't know if he's explosive as Justin Fields is but he can do a lot of things that Justin Fields does in the run game and you have I think so, sort of the upside that you can bring in with him as like a as a dropback passer that Fields is not really shown yet so I it's I understand it's like kind of like the mystery box thing, but
3: let's put a pin in Daniels because I think hypothetically when the New York Giants are up, I want to come back to who the third quarterback <laughs> in the draft fair, is. Yeah.
4: I will, uh
5: real quick, Ben degeneracy season has begun. Uh, Fanduel Caleb Williams to be the first overall pick is minus one thousand, which is an implied probability of ninety one percent. The field wow is plus five fifty, right? And so the 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 in nine out of ten universes right now for for Fanduel. Caleb is going at one overall. So if it's the Bears that are making the pick, then 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 the Bears would would have Caleb Williams. I will say that while I expect Caleb to be the first overall pick, if the Bears keep it, I would put the percent chance at less than ninety. I would put it closer to seventy, seventy five. With with the combined yeah. influence of Drake May and Jaden Jane, Jaden Daniels waiting in the wings.
3: I agree with that. So next up here, we have the Washington Commanders. I kind of think the Commanders are in a better spot than the Bears. Just The Commanders just... They, so they fired Ron Rivera as the head coach. They're still looking for another one to replace him. They had Adam Peters. They hired as the general manager from the 49ers. The, I, I think the Niners are in... or Sorry, not the Niners. They hired the Niners. Got to be the Commanders GM. The Commanders get to sit here and just either take Caleb Williams, who is from Washington, D.C. and went to high school blocks from the Capitol, or... Drake May, who replaced Sam Howell at North Carolina and now could just replace Sam Howell again at UNC and they're like friends. And so it's it's almost DK, there's almost nothing to discuss here, right? It's just like trading up probably isn't worth it. Just sit here and take whoever like Drake May or Williams, whoever falls to you, right?
4: I think Sam Howell played his played his way out of a out of the even remote potential that he's going to be a starter in the NFL going forward, like over the you know, stretch run of the season. Um, it just makes too much sense. You're unlikely to be at this position again, picking a very, very highly touted prospect like this. And so, yeah, just take just take the take the best quarterback that's available there, whether mm-hmm. it's it's May or Williams. I, do you, uh, Here's my question: Do you think it would be good for Caleb Williams to land in Washington, kind of his backyard, or do you think he, it would behoove him to like just go to Chicago? Like, what do you think would be actually better for him long term?
3: There, there is a trope of like the guy who goes home and like there's all the people around you. It's like I want to hit Tommy right. DeVito. Basically, his whole career is because he lives nine minutes. Look at in the Kenny Pickett. He's parents. thriving. Absolutely, <laughs> Just
5: the, the comfort of Western Pennsylvania. Um, it depends on the guy and depends on right, like who who his 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 connections are when he's there. Right, if it's like. A ton of family, he's a huge family guy. It's great. If it's like, right. you know, he went to high school and like was a knucklehead and like he's a bunch of friends who still live there who are knuckleheads and that can be bad for him, right? Like that's this discourse happens all the time in the draft process. It depends yeah. on the guy. I don't know nearly enough about Caleb to, to say that for sure.
3: Next up here, we have the Patriots. I think this is where everything gets interesting. It's like Bears Commanders first two picks take the Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams. The Patriots, I feel like, so again, they sunsetted Bill Belichick. It's like the, they're the, their, their grandpa. And then they hired <laughs> Gerard Mayo. Sorry, that's exactly what they did. They hired <laughs> Gerard a- Mayo as head coach. And Mayo was the defensive assistant, kind of like the I know, Belichick tree's been bad, but at least Mayo was also a linebacker like Vrabel was. Was so he Mayo's calling plays coach. Mayo defensively or no? It's They even keep that stuff secret. Yeah. I think he has at points, but also Belichick was. They want to give the kids credit. I don't know. I'm of the belief he was more of a coordinator than the, the Belichick yeah. kids were. I
5: talked with Mayo for 10 minutes on the Ringer NFL Draft Show in 2021, and he was delightful. And accordingly, he's going to be a great head coach
3: of the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> I'm,
5: I'm, 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 I'm doing my insider uh, uh, tilt. Now yeah. where I'm like, I had a conversation with the guy once, so he should be head coach.
3: So I'm I'm so glad you did that, Solak. So the Patriots here <laughs> have three options. Do uh, so you take the best receiver in the draft, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State? The best left tackle in the draft, Olive Fshanu from Penn State? Or do you take the third best quarterback, which you have to decide who it is, Jaden Daniels, LSU, Bonix Oregon. So Solak, when you talked to Gerard Mayo two years ago, which of these yep. guys did he tell you they would take with the third? Yeah, <laughs> he was like,
5: Ben, I'll tell you, if I become the head coach of the Patriots three off seasons down the road here, uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is coming out in the draft. That's likely the direction that we're going to head with the top five <laughs> pick. Uh, I take Marvin. I think Marvin's the best player available. I think wide receiver is an enormous position of need for them. I think they're in a spot where uh, Their offense is a year away from being a year away. And so if they like Daniels enough to do it, go for it. Just understand year one is going to be a a red shirt year there in terms of development. And and you can always make the argument. And we'll we'll talk about this a ton more over the course of the draft process, I'm sure. You know, Jordan Love, he sat for three years and now he's amazing. Everybody should sit Jordan Love. Uh, No, he started the season. It was not good. And then got a lot better over the course of the season because he had experience, right? It's never so easy as to say, sit a guy that'll make him good or start him, it'll make him good. It's conditional on the guy and usually it takes, you know, a, a careful hand at the wheel. And so if they like Daniels, go for it, sure, whatever. But I think it's it's very justifiable for them to pass on quarterback in, in the first year and just kind of try to fill the cabinets a little bit. Uh, not a single name, though. Daniels, uh, Fashanu, the left tackle out of Penn State or Marvin Harrison, do I, I balk at here? They're in a really nice spot. Uh, it is a... Excellent, top of the draft. This is without question the best top of the draft that we've covered since we started doing this show together.
3: So okay, so let, let's give the pages Marvin Harrison Jr. there, and also I just think that being a junior is such an advantage. Like Vlad Guerrero Jr. in baseball, <laughs> like just being the like like Jackson Holiday, it's like sick. But if even if he was Matt Holliday, like there's something about the being a kid son, but they also have the same Mahomes? name. It's like this double. Yeah, Mahomes. Mm-hmm. It's he's a should like- about it.
4: Yeah, that's my bad. Um, I think uh, we talk about NEPO babies all the time. S- sometimes there's a benefit of like growing up around football and being in the locker mm-hmm. room since you're one years old. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Absorbing that much institutional knowledge over the years, I think is probably a good thing. Um, my, the only thing I'd add to this is the Patriots truly had one of the worst skill position groups I can ever remember. Like truly, mm-hmm. one of the worst. And so getting a guy like this who has a really high floor, I don't... You know, obviously, there's no such thing as a foolproof pick or like a, a can't can't bust pick. Sorry, high fives. There's doctors for that. We
6: ran ads for <laughs> can't, can't bust, bust pick? For Years, a, a no nut November pick. Yeah,
5: <laughs> you know,
4: un, uncrustable sandwiches, right? What, an yeah. unbus, unbustable prospect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, that's that's Marvin Harrison. So I agree with this. I'd probably take him. He's a blue chip blue blue chip prospect. You know, you're sitting there at number three. You take the blue chip. But,
1: okay, but in
6: this world, like who's throwing the football to him year one? Like I guess just like trying to fill the cabinets. Like,
4: are are they in Justin
6: Fields' territory? Are we already in Fields' territory with the third pick here of trading a second rounder and getting Fields and Marvin Harrison? Are they, are
3: we looking at like Bo
6: Nix in the second round or JJ McCarthy or something like
3: that? The team I keep looking at is, I mean, I guess we, we... we can go through some other stuff. The team yep. I keep looking at, the Falcons, have the eighth pick, and I'm like, the Falcons should just give a second round. He's, he went to, I mean, he went to Georgia, just rectified the whole letting him transfer from Georgia to Ohio State in the first place. Justin Fields should just be with the Bears, and they should be having an offense with Fields and Bijan, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and a really like good, huge offensive line. Like that just seems like a no brainer to me.
4: I think this this is the permanent caveat here, but obviously we'll know more after free agency. There's quite a few like veteran free agent quarterbacks that are going to be kind of available on the market that they could kind of feel the stopgap year type guy Um, because they obviously I think they have to upgrade from Mac Jones and and Bailey Zapier.
5: We also don't know who their OC is right and so like that's also a big part of the challenge like okay what are they going to want to run and who does their OC know and like who does he like working with so it's very hard to pin down their quarterback plans.
3: So Arizona Cardinals to the fourth pick here. Kyler Murray is still going to be the Cardinals quarterback. They took Paris Johnson Jr. with the sixth pick last year. Uh, he's he's great, right by the way, to
5: finish the season. Really good film.
3: I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you just take DK, do, do you just take the best receiver left here? Do you take like a Malik Neighbors? Or do you start looking at like screw it? Let's just take Paris Johnson. I mean, do know if Paris Johnson last year just take Olay Fashano if he's still on the board. Like, who do you grab here?
4: I mean, I don't think there's a wrong answer, to be totally honest. I would probably take the receiver because and, and I really like Malik Neighbors. I think that guy it's like the slimmest of margins between him and Marvin Harrison Jr. in terms of just um you know the ability to kind of change an offense neighbors is the most explosive receiver i can remember in a really long time he's like up there with um jamar chase in terms of just like pure raw explosiveness um just super fast super ability to take the type off a of defense run after the catch create create on his own um so getting a, a guy like that into an offense that's kind of already sort of it's it's not in its infancy anymore cuz they've got kyler they've got a left tackle they've got James Conner, who's a really solid running back. Like, they have sort of the pieces to take a big leap here, I think. And so getting a guy like that um, could really make a big difference. Remember, Marquise Brown is a, is a free agent. I doubt they'll bring him back. Like, I don't know why they would, to be honest. Um, and then off, after that, it's like Michael Wilson, who's coming off of a pretty solid rookie season, but he's more of like mm-hmm. a number two or three. Um, and then Rondell Moore, who has not panned out whatsoever. Greg Dortch, who's six. Sure. Dorch is like a fun bit and, a, and an exciting player. But and he's you have not Trey, like McBride, an elevator. A, a and Trey McBride, a rising tight end. Essentially, they're number one. That's a great point. Yeah. Craig, like he's their sort of number one. They've got a good running back, like I was saying, got a left tackle. If they insert a guy like Neighbors or maybe it's Rome Madunze, they like more. It does kind of round
6: um, everything out a little kind of nicely to have like McBride. It, you have Michael Wilson as the number two. You got Dorch right. and you you bring in a number one like like Neighbors or something. And you actually kind of have right. an
4: offense there. It, no. it elevates everybody in that whole mm-hmm. ecosystem, I feel like. And so, yeah, I, I that's what I personally do. I think, you know, just look at what Chase did, Jamar Chase did with the Bengals' offense. Like, I think that could be a really big impact-type player.
5: Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more with, with what Craig said. The offense feels weird until Neighbors is target one, which makes Wilson target two, which makes Dorch and, and Rondell Moore your gadget guys, and Matt McBride is right. nine targets a game. He's six, and just, it's neat. I, they, if they, if, if Arizona is in a nice spot to catapult here. If they get wide receiver right with the way that offense performed late down the stretch, thought that line was playing a lot better. I thought Kyler played well, like drew Petzing, It was their first year. OC. I was really impressed by if they get one or two more pieces. That unit can go defense. Gonna take a bit, but we knew that coming in, uh, but <laughs> right. offensively, I, like, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting around in the summer, July and August and talking about, man, this Cardinals offense might be a headache.
3: And you know, what the best part about Malik neighbors is if they draft him or anyone is pew, pew. <laughs> explosive, <laughs>
5: Fast. <laughs> right.
3: Which, explosives. by the way, let's,
5: Speed. let's touch base on the Rondell Moore explosives. How many did they have this season? Three? <laughs> he is That's just, why he did, uh, he did
6: three pews, one for each explosive play Rondell, <laughs> Rondell Moore will have this year.
4: <laughs> they just need to turn him into a running back. Let's be honest. <laughs> just turn him into Devon Achan? Pretty much. By the way, they also have a ton of top 100 picks in this draft, so they can definitely address...
6: This team also plays hard. Like, they were just frisky for the last eight games of the season. They beat the Cowboys like...
4: Yeah, they really <laughs> They're do. They're taking the like, bus to, to work, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fire in the For people jet.
4: that don't understand, by the way, go look up the, the Jonathan Gannon preseason interviews mm-hmm. and preseason team meetings. It's Cardinals head
3: coach is Michael Scott. cringe But
4: he does a good job coaching. Rondell Moore in the season had three gains of
5: 40 yards or more. And then four, Pew. six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty. 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20? 22, 24, 20. had 26 games over 20 yards. When did this happen? Okay. Wow. Back, Jonathan Gannon. We're Rondell back in Hall on more. Explosives.
6: Rondale. Pew, pew, pew. All right. What about, uh, what about the fifth pick here? If the Cardinals are all about speed, the Chargers are on the other end of that spectrum. <laughs> so Staley's gone. Their general manager, Tom Telesco's gone. We don't know who they're going to hire a head coach. Is it Bill Belichick? Is it Jim Harbaugh? Uh, DK, I've seen a lot of mock drafts. are putting Brock Bowers, the tight end out of Georgia here.
4: Yeah.
1: Uh,
6: how does that sound to you, considering they need anybody who can run a 40 faster than 4'6, which might be, which might honestly <laughs> be Ben Solak, the way we saw him out there on, on Twitter running. But uh, what do you see for the Chargers at five?
4: Uh, I think it does. I think Bowers is definitely an option there. I don't think he gives them the like true explosive, like field stretching speed that looking for. Because they have 32
6: for. year old Keenan Allen, they have Mike yeah. Williams coming off an ACL tear. They have, I don't know if Gerald Everett's no, under contract Phrygian, with them. Yeah. They have, uh, unfortunately for our producer, Kai, a wide receiver who will not be named at a TCU who had a rough year.
4: <laughs> Darius so, like, Davis.
6: He's a <laughs> all-pro, yeah. So yeah, walk us through what you think they should do. Like, is, is this a no-brainer? They should be going after Malik Neighbors or Rome Dunze.
4: Well, if if either of those guys are still there, I could definitely see them taking either Neighbors or Odunze. I, obviously, I think Odunze will be there. I'm guessing Neighbors is sort of like, that's going to be a pivot point there. If he's there, he, they might take him because he's sort of exactly what they need. Um, but when you talk about Brock Bowers, man, that guy is one of the most fun players watching this draft. Like They use him on sweeps. This is a tight end. Mm-hmm. He's like 250 pounds. And he's like being run on sweeps and all this kind of stuff. He's really, really explosive after the catch. Um, I don't think he gives them the field stretching element that a guy like neighbors would do. So I probably would prefer neighbors at that spot, but he's another blue chip guy. Who's just a really, really good football player. He's going to change the dynamic of their offense. Um, Is
6: he the blocking I, type Brock Bowers.
4: No, so he's, 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 strictly a move, receiver. he's a, he's a much more of a, like a move tight end type guy, like just right. like a mismatch creator,
5: but he can, he can block. He can go in line and block. I think one of the things that's going to happen over the Brock Bowers draft process, because we're going to talk about him like a top five guy. Is that people are going to be like, oh, Kyle Pitts, like, oh, you, you said all this about Kyle Pitts, you said he was a unicorn, you said he was the biggest and the fastest and the bestest boy, and what's happened? Like, nothing, <laughs> which he set the record for rookie tight end receiving yards, but whatever. Uh, Pitts was, like, a little bit of like a, a, a conundrum, a little bit of an enigma, because he was 6'6", forty, right? So he was playing tight end, but, like, he was really just, like, a wide receiver build who we had, like, supersized, right? We just kind of, like, you know, magnified a 120, Brock is, like, is 6'4", 250. He's actually strapped together like a tight end typically as in terms of, like, density. So it'd be a lot easier for him than for than it was for Pitts to, like, put his hand in the dirt and, like, be a meaningful blocker. With that said, the reason why he's going to go top five is because he moves like a running back, right? And, and he's unbelievably
6: explosive at 250.
3: I, Bowers has the rumble. I, the word of the year of tight end for us was rumble. He's the rumble of Trey McBride, but he has that extra gear kind of like Chico Conquo. Well,
6: so I feel like... We just had such a big year with rookie tight ends, right? We had obviously Sam Laporta was fantastic. Dalton Kincaid on the Bills. Trey McBride's not a rookie, but we've had a lot of young tight ends like really taking off Luke Musgraves on Green Bay. Where does Brock... Is Brock Bowers, in your mind, ahead of all those guys? Um, I mean, like,
5: I can't say yes with Laporta because Laporta walked out and it's just unreal. Like, like, Laporta's rookie season has really been something to see. But Brock, he's clearly above the rest of them and he can do what Laporta did. Laporta walked into a position where he was the second target getter from like day one. Right, I'm, I remember going to Lions camp. Be like, they're going to throw this guy eight passes a game. And it was just so clear, like they like, they, he, we need him to be successful. If Brock lands in that sort of a spot, which I'm not sure he can, in if he lands it with the Chargers, just because you do need to have the gravity of an actual receiver, and the Chargers might not have that. But if he lands at a place that's willing to give him the volume, the Lions gave Laporta, he's capable of having a Laporta
4: season. I just, yeah, the Laporta one, I think, is actually a good comp in terms of they might not be like. They're pretty close stylistically, I'd say. But the high leverage situations where you need a guy who's going to go out and just like, you know the the expression, I love this expression, I know it's a huge cliche, but like big-time players make big-time plays. Like that Mm -hmm. was Laporta this year. And I think Brock Bowers is that type of guy too. Like he's just going to go out and make big plays for you. He's going to like run guys over. He's going to like stiff arm a guy to get a key first down. You know, he's going to catch a pass with one hand. He's going to create explosive plays down the seam. He's not going to be a number, quote-unquote, like a number one in your offense, like a Malik Neighbors could be, but he's going to be a really important piece of an offense. And so, yeah.
5: You know what really unifies Laporta and Bowers, which you said it there, DK, is they catch everything. Uh-huh. They both of them catch everything. They make and it that's easier so on your quarterback. Nice to have.
6: Also, man, Brock Bowers immediately, immediately vaults to number one in the cool tight end name rankings. Like, all the <laughs> time. I mean, like, I, yeah. there's, there's not a cooler name, probably at receiver or at tight end Brock Bowers <laughs> that guy's like a Madden generated name right there he, it is he's it's such a throwback
4: mad. looking player just the way hey. he rumbles around and just like runs dudes over he's just such a I mean, he's just a meathead in the best.
5: Firstly, way possible. Puka Nakua is still around. Put some respect on the name, Craig. That no name is being Puka Nakua for years. <laughs> Puka also, Nakua is Rock. like the
6: funnest name to say. But Brock Bowers, like if you just like imagine a football name, it's Brock Bowers.
5: Puka Nakua sounds like a magic spell, and Puka Nakua plays like a sorcerer. <laughs> right? It is on brand.
3: <laughs> Amonra literally means sun god.
5: No. Yeah. So I'll give you tight end names. It, Don't come for wide receiver names, Horlbeck.
1: <laughs>
3: After an incredible NFL Super Wild Card weekend, we're on to the divisional round. For these teams, it's win or go home, but you'll always have a spot in the playoffs with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. FanDuel has so many ways for you to pick up a W. The Niners are playing the Packers. The Niners are going to destroy the Packers. I think the Packers played really well, and they did. I'm not trying to take anything away, but they're a young team. The Niners are built for this. I, give me the Niners to just roll. So if you want to follow... Niners money line. I don't even do the Niners spread. Go to FanDuel right now. New customers get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Fantasy to join today. That is FanDuel.com slash Ringer Fantasy. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ringer.com slash RG. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non withdrawable bonus bets that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right. Sixth pick here, the New York Giants. All right. <laughs> oh, okay. Let How me much just... did
4: it kill you to not talk about the Giants like four picks ago?
3: I am biased as a Giants fan, and here is my biased thought on this pick with the Giants at six. The best four players in the draft are Drake May and Caleb Williams. They'll be gone. Marvis Harrison Jr., he will be gone. And then even Ole Fashana, the Penn State tackle, he will be gone. I think those are the four best players and auto draft if any of them fall. But let's be real, they will not be there. So I think the Giants, realistically, they can get out of Daniel Jones can start one more year in 2024 and they can get out of the contract. The Giants should take a quarterback here. And I'm curious who you think they should, or if they're not going to just trade down because the, like at this point, there's a tier. I know, what I'm asking you is I feel like this is a teardrop in the draft. There's Malik neighbors, there's Roma Dunze, there's Brian Thomas. There are different preferences, but I feel like everyone kind of roughly agrees. Those guys are probably a tier below Marvin Harrison Jr. And like, I, you know, if the Giants move from six to 11, the Vikings straight up, Brian Thomas might still be there out of LSU. Or if they want like an offensive tackle, like Joe Alt from Notre Dame, like, you could take him here, or you can move back and get a, a tackle. That's kind of my thoughts on this. My question is, who is the third quarterback in this draft? I I think Jaden Daniels from LSU, uh, but I'm curious if, I don't know, DK, i throw you first. I'm curious, yeah. do you think that he's the third quarterback, or is it Bo Nicks out of Oregon or someone else? I think Jaden Daniels is worth it. Yeah, I
4: think it's Jaden Daniels, and I I think the Giants should take him. Like, honestly, I think it would be a good succession plan. You have you have Daniel Jones on a contract, but then you're developing this guy behind him. I know that it's going to create some awkwardness or whatever, but this is the reality of the NFL.
3: Also, Daniel Jones
6: came in sitting by an Eli for a year. You're going to have to resist the urge to get Daniels in the game immediately at, when D- Daniel
4: Jones is, is <laughs>
6: right, crashing Ryan and David burning in week <laughs> two
5: into Jaden Daniels in the second half of the first week of the first yes. game of the NFL season.
4: The ironic part is there is some similarities between Daniel Jones and Jaden Daniels. in terms. Go of on. Like, like Daniel Jones is a really good scrambler, like the things he does out of structure in that way is like, I think a big plus for the offense. Um, but I think Jay and Daniels is probably more accurate, at least based on what I've seen. Um, and just quicker trigger, better in the pocket, more awareness in the pocket. I, the big thing with this, with, uh, with Daniel Jones over the years has just been like, he has blinders on in the pocket and he just like mm-hmm. gets so many fumbles, so many sacks. Like this is an offense, like you cannot just survive with this type of uh, quarterback long term. Um, but yeah, I would say like, there are some similarities. And so I I actually would be very excited to see what, uh, Brian Dayball would cook up for a guy like Jaden Daniels, because I think he, he, number one, he's, he's a better athlete. I think he's probably faster.
3: Daniels, Daniels I, it's funny because, I mean, he I mean, won the Heisman Trophy. He had a congillion- He has had
4: better
6: numbers
3: than Joe Burrow at LSU. Jaden Daniels
6: is a very bizarre college prospect. I feel yeah. like when people just see all the comparative stats when they throw him against anybody, the average fan would look and go, why isn't this guy being considered He's be a top prospect?
5: He's going to be an elite TikTok bait, dude. I mean, the amount of Jaden Daniels questions that we're going to get because there's a side-by-side of him compared to Every Heisman winner of the last 95 years, man. Like, it's it, he's 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 TikTok bait for sure.
6: I mean, he had more passing touchdowns in his last year at LSU than Daniel Jones had in his entire career at Duke. Okay. Well, we're comparing him <laughs> to good quarterbacks. So, Greg, <laughs> that's the bit. Sorry.
3: I'm just comparing him to other guys taken <laughs> in the top 10. He's also sexy. Like, Jaden Daniels, he he just he he breaks he breaks like multiple, like 40 or 50 yard runs where yeah. no one touches him. And I feel like I'm cur- I was trying to think of it. An ex- I, he reminds me of like uh, when, you know, when they kick a field goal and it's long and then they, it's short and so they return it and then they're running like there's this palpable dread from the field goal team that they have to t- tackle the guy and they're like, oh, is anyone going to touch this person? That's like every Jaden Daniels scramble. It's like, I feel like he has no moves. It's like he just sprints in Madden and has the joystick. Like Lamar, or Garrett Wilson or Tyree Kill, they're like jittery. Jaden Daniels, I feel like he's kind of always sprinting Wait, I I don't even know what are you talking about. He, he I, I don't understand what you're like saying. Like he's more pocket.
4: straight line ish than, than yes. laterally explosive. I would I would agree with that. So I think like There's been there's okay. been people that compare Jaden Daniels to Lamar Jackson. I don't think I think no, Lamar yeah. Jackson Lamar could is one of the most a- yeah he's one of the most rare athletes of all time. Like truly like comparing him is like comparing any receiver to Tyreek Hill. Like it's just like so you're saying the lateral quickness is not that, there. He's a he's a sprinter. I I'd say. I will say there are moments when Jane Daniels is uh, scrambling and running, where he does this little scoot thing. Like Ben, you know what I'm talking about. Like where he goes, Mm -hmm. and he'll he'll like slip through, like a gap that the defenders are not expecting him to be able to fit. He's slippery. He's absolutely slippery. Slippery is the perfect term. Yeah. so I would say he he's definitely not in my mind. He's not Lamar level runner, but he is much more like he's much more slippery in the open field than I was expecting coming in when I was gonna getting ready to watch him. And like you said, Heifetz, he created an extraordinary amount of like sixty yard runs. Like he was like breaking off these massive, massive runs. And so um, there is something special there with him as a runner. I don't think he's yeah. Lamar, but I think he is pretty special as a runner. Now, one thing that I will say is that. Uh, I, I, I'm not in the spot where I'm like Jaden Daniels for sure at six.
5: Like, I think like you, you look at other positions, the thing like Daniels is unbelievable as a mover. I wish he had more second reaction plays that were throws. Um, because as he, he ends up tucking and running a lot.
3: He scrambles to run.
5: Yeah. And I think you, that you, I think Justin Fields is a pretty good, uh, 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 case for this which feels makes a lot of some throws in the move Jalen Hurts actually another really good one where like Hurts throwing outside of the pocket isn't nearly as effective as you would think it is like when he gets out of the pocket and then throws it's usually a win for the defense I get worried around quarterbacks who have high mobility but use it to solve all of their problems and they don't have any other uh Things to lean back on any other solutions to like dynamic issues on the field because now as a dc i'm going to mush rush you i'm going to make you feel heat and i'm going to try to get you out of the pocket and mm. then i think you're going to beat yourself right as long as i just have contain on you and like you know we'll lose through a couple scrambles you know like uh, we, we you know we'll give up a big josh allen run okay but we think generally if you're out of the pocket you've lost the structure of the offense like that's that's a concern for me and um, so daniel's that's unbelievable valid. mover Wish that he, there were more plays there in that final season at LSU where he would get out of the
4: pocket and and create a throw instead of just tucking and running. The the other thing I wanted to add about Daniel's hyphen, is not to get you too excited about it, but I'm actually very interested to see what Ben does in terms of the charting on this. But because, you know, little plug, Ben Ben charts the, ma- the major quarterbacks um, before the draft and like talks about like their accuracy at different levels. And to me, he is one of the best like moonshot down the sideline throwers I've seen in a long time. Like he is incredibly, incredibly accurate on those like just deep throws. F it, there's somebody down there. I'm going to, I'm going to check it up to him. And obviously it helps to have a guy like Neighbors. Um, but uh, he's like extremely, extremely accurate on those throws. So that's another element that he brings.
3: He had a lot of clean pockets at LSU. Like even the, like I admit the one thing that scares me is I feel like when the pockets weren't clean, he would bail. But the flip side is, I feel like there's a decisiveness that part of me is like, I don't know, the Alabama game. Jed Daniels was like running all the time, but I'm like, okay, but Bama's playing man coverage. And so isn't that also a good thing? If he's like, oh, I have a lane run, go now, man coverage, like everyone's mm-hmm. back is to me. And so I'm, I'm torn, but I also hear what Solak's saying where, honestly, one of the reasons CJ Stroud is CJ Stroud is actually because he didn't grow up using running to solve everything. Uh, I, there was, I texted I Ryan Hamlin, okay. but uh, there was this great Yahoo story. I, I apologize if I forget who wrote it, but someone wrote a great Yahoo story about CJ Stroud growing up and his uh first football coach, his CJ Stroud's father was would be at these games screaming for CJ Stroud to run, and his coach was like, "No," because <laughs> it goes back to a principle Ryan O'Hanlon wrote about it in the soccer book of the reason one of the reasons they can't teach soccer in America is they're not trying to teach kids to play; they're trying to teach them to win. Parents are paying money; they want everyone to play; they want to win the games. So the first kid who realizes that he can kick the ball over the goalie's head, and you know what I mean, because they're six, eight years old, those kids win, and then they're like but really what you should be learning at a young age is like tight, short passing. And mm. so it, it's kind of similar to running where it's like, if you can just outrun all the eight year olds, you're going to be a good quarterback. But the CJ Stroud's coach insisted that he play from the pocket and not just scramble. And so CJ Stroud now has these like absurd instincts, but also he can run. And I do look at, I don't know, but here's the thing. I, I know I'm ranty, but now, but like Bo Nix at Oregon, I think, had the highest percentage in the FBS, I believe, of throws at or behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if it's not Jaden Daniels, am I supposed to believe in Bo Nix as, as the third quarterback in this I draft? think if
4: if it comes down to it, take Bo Nix in the second. I don't think you take him there at number six at all.
3: So we're saying there's no good th- third quarterback. Because w- w- when you guys are like, oh, he's the second-round quarterback, I'm like, I don't what know. What about Michael point? Penix?
6: Has he already played himself out of consideration?
4: I think there's a tier one, which involves Caleb May, as we said earlier. Okay. And then after that, you have Jaden Daniels in tier two. And then tier three is like the Penix, uh, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy tier. Am, am I missing anybody? There might be a couple other guys that sneak up in the process, but that would be my So those guess.
3: guys are Jordan Loves. Those guys are you guys you draft, late, put on your late bench. Late first and are like, or second. Yeah. Okay. And you just have them sit and you hope they become good.
4: By the way, Michael Penix going to the senior bowl, which is really exciting. Um, we'll have you a chance to go too. to the senior bowl.
3: The gang.
4: <laughs> These guys.
6: Yeah. Uh, all right. What about seven? number seven here, Titans? I feel like this is one of the lesser interesting uh, teams to talk about here. They fired Mike Vrabel because I don't really know why, kind of inexplicably. <laughs> they, they thought it'd be too much work to trade him. They fired Mike Vrabel. <laughs> it looks like... It's like uh, kind of uh, Dynasty. Yeah. It looks like Will Levis. <laughs> a.k.a. Billy Jeans is probably going to be the quarterback next year. DeAndre Hopkins is probably not going to be on this team. Derrick Henry, it seems like, is not going to be on this team. They kind of seem just like they're in a massive rebuild. So, uh, Ben, who do you think they should take and what, what do you see them doing?
5: Uh, you got to go tackle here if one of all or Fushano is available. I know we kind of got past it at, at five with the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers right now, if you gave me the choice between any wide receiver, not named Malik Harrison, and then one of those two tackles, I think I'd take the tackle. Uh, Olu Fashano out of Penn State and Joel out of Notre Dame are about as good as it gets at the top of the tackle class. It's really, really strong. Uh, the uh, uh, the the Titans' left tackle situation, uh, not great. Both tackle situations weren't good. They had, you know, they gave a big contract to Andre Dillard. He struggled and wasn't able to stay on the field, which you would wager to be the expectation with a guy with Andre Diller, but apparently it wasn't. Uh, they had Jalen Duncan go in. It was a rookie for them, and he, and he had a tough time. Nicholas petit Frere on the, on, on the right side. He started the season with a suspension. It's, it, it was a re- revolving door of both tackle spots. Uh, so to me, like the unsexy stuff, right? Okay, go, go take your medicine, but it's a very good tackle class, and it's a, a high-impact franchise cornerstone, can change your team for the next five years in uh, caliber of tackle. Wide receiver also obviously on the table, yeah. especially if DeHop yeah. leaves. Traylon Burks has not been able to get any traction with this team. Breaks my heart. That's my hog hunter. That's my boy. I loved him coming out of Arkansas, uh, and it's sad that he hasn't uh, hasn't panned out. Injuries have hurt him a ton. And then besides that, it's bare cupboards, right? It's the, it's not like oh, but there's this fourth rounder. We like no, it's Nick Westbrook-Ikina and Chris Moore. You know, it's kind of it's known quantities. Uh, so wide receiver also. Extremely justifiable. This is also where the corner conversation starts, in my opinion. Terry and Arnold out, out of Alabama being the one that I would say is the, is the is going to be the corner one in this class. I think that he's at a fringe top ten talent. You've seen also corner. Cooper
3: DeGene out of Iowa. At some point, we're going to have to unpack yeah. the white cornerback. For yeah, Cooper He's good, uh, man. He's yeah. really
5: good. But my favorite <laughs> thing is when uh, whenever you see like tweets about him, they're like, uh, you know, corners Terry and Arnold, Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, DB Cooper mm-hmm. DeGene. You're like I saw what you did just there. you said you said said that man might be a safety yeah when he's been an excellent corner for years but i can't say to have watched him so i don't know
4: well they he's played all over he played mostly corner in this last season but he did play like over the slot and sort of in the box like overhang or whatever in years past so i think but yes it is because he's white and there's been like zero white quarterback or corners over the last like 20 years so the comps gonna be
3: jason sehorn (laughs) yeah when was jason sehorn when did he play Uh, The Giants in the '90s. Yeah, so it's been a while. uh, '94.
5: Yeah. Um, uh, But regardless, I think the corner conversation starts here as well for the Titans. But yeah, the Titans need everything, and so this is going to be this this pick is going to be a a hard one to nail down because all of it,
4: uh, uh, everything's on the table. Pairing up a left tackle with Peter Mm Skoransky would be like regardless of who the coach is or what the offense they want to run or what, like a million different variables that we haven't seen unfold yet, like. That seems like a good process to me.
6: We got to protect Will
3: Levis at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Jeans. Jean's. Falcons are picking eighth. They fired Arthur Smith, their head coach, which D.K. was thrilled about. Um, (laughs) Interviewed (laughs)
4: Bill Belichick. Uh, Yeah, they
3: interviewed Bill Belichick, which I I think I feel good about that. I don't know. You said it was like making Tom Cruise audition for a role.
4: (laughs) Can you imagine Tom Cruise going Mm -hmm. and like auditioning with like. I
6: believe he did audition for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, to wow, play the, okay. the Rick Dalton character, I believe. That but even that was
3: happened. like a performative audition, though, wasn't it?
6: Uh, I'm not All sure. I don't, think they, I don't think they could find a stunt that was short
3: enough. So I think they went <laughs> another direction. Oh, man.
4: Uh, well, Whatever. You get my joke,
3: Craig. Come I on. get your joke. Well, what's, what's the meme DK says? is like you took my joke literally, a guide to dying alone. <laughs> your joke is factually incorrect.
4: <laughs> <laughs> a guide to dying alone.
6: But it's more like Bill Belichick interviewing Atlanta than it is the other way around, right? Yeah, I mean, right. That's
5: one where you actually do come as the interviewee with questions. So I was like, I have some things I want to ask you guys.
4: What have you been up to, man? If they take Brock Bowers, this it's just going to be so good for content. I'm almost rooting for it at this point.
3: I will say, I, so I think this is where we have to start talking defense, though. And I'm curious, you think because obviously they took Bijan Robinson, the running back, last year in the top ten. They took Drake London, receiver, in the top ten the year before that. They took Kyle Pitts in the on the top five in 2021. So they also have the offensive line. They've given extensions. You know, Chris Lindstrom's good guard for them. They've Caleb McGarry, who is a um, a mercurial tackle, but they've extended last year. So they're kind of pot. They have a center that's good. I think they're pot committed in their line. Falcons are dead last in sacks over the last 10 years. Falcons have one player who's had a double digit sack season in the last decade.
5: Was that Vic Beasley?
3: Yeah. And then he was terrible anyway. Sick.
5: Disgusting. (laughs) <laughs> not
3: reprehensible. He had like 17 hard, sacks, yeah. barely had 17 the rest of his career. We also, we we have not mentioned a defensive
6: player really yet so far as like a pick we think will actually be made. So this would be probably the first defensive player off the board.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And Possibly, so yeah. Is that, DK, is that one a fair assessment of this class? Is it's yes. honestly a very really offensive focused thing, but then who are the top edge rushers here?
4: I think it's going to be a really top heavy class in terms of just offensive guys. So there's a ton of tackles, there's a ton of uh receivers, there's a very good tight end, and then there's like three or four, however many you decide it's gonna go in the top there's a lot of players really that your dad
3: wants. Your dad's like, we need a quarterback. Your dad's like, we need a receiver. Your dad's like, we need a tackle I'm like tons of those.
4: Yeah. Um foundational type players, which I get. So but I think there are a couple of really exciting uh edge players in this class. Like Leo Tulatu from UCLA is mm. just incredibly fun to watch. one of the most fun Edge rushers I've ever watched. Like quite what makes literally. him fun? His hand use is, I mean, for for a college prospect, elite. Like truly, you can't touch him. Like he's so good at using touch a variety a variety of different moves, like cross chop, scissors, uh, you know, club move, whatever you whatever have you, whatever you have. Um, mm-hmm. He's just so incredibly explosive and savvy at like. Simultaneously exploding forward while not letting the offensive lineman like remotely get his hands on you. Like it's incredible to watch. He's like shoots into the backfield at such an incredible rate. Um, I think he would be like a can't miss type prospect, but there's a couple of questions about his health. He actually medically retired early in his career when he was at Washington. So (laughs) so this is one of those situations that's going to be very difficult to like figure out. He, He medically retired because of a neck injury. Yeah, he got a stinger at Washington. And
5: and his neck and his shoulder were numb, and so that and and he thought it was going to go away, and like it didn't really go away. And so then he got MRI'd, and he had a neck issue. They were like, "You might just have to stop playing football." I don't understand or recall exactly like what led to the change of being like, "No, actually, I can play football." I don't know if he's like he found new doctors.
4: Tr- exactly, yeah, I think truly the answer is he went down to yeah. UCLA and they looked at him again, and he got doctors to sign off on it. So it's going to be. This is another player that's kind of like. I heard
6: it was a
3: prebiotic himself. thing. I heard he started drinking poppies. Started working <laughs> Dude, this on is the health. Billy like He gets Bean a California
4: memes. and immediately yeah. just feel better. You <laughs> this know? is the meme
3: of Jonah Hill and Billy Like, Hey Billy, there's this player that like is the best hand usage of a defensive end I've seen in years. Like, what's the problem? He's retired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he might some
4: some teams like legitimately might not have him on their boards because of yeah. this. But to me, he's just so much fun to watch. He's so good with his hands. You know, in terms of mixing his explosive first step with. A variety of pass rush moves that just make it very difficult for tackles to get a hold of him. You know what I mean? He's very slippery in that sense. So yeah. I think there's going to be questions about his overall athleticism, but I think he's really, he's really, really quick. So it probably doesn't matter.
5: Yeah. Latu is going to be a good pro. I mean, like I his as so long as like uh, March, he is he is prospect one on the combine is important for me board right? Where like it just the, the medical testing and. Like what red flags pop up and what teams have on the board, what teams don't. But if he clears the bar, like Latu, he just screams good pro. He doesn't scream, "I'm gonna have a uh, you know 12 sacks every season and one season I have a 17 sacks." Like he's not like the Miles Garrett pick, you know Michael Parsons pick. Obviously Parsons was 11 overall. But uh, when you start talking about edge rushers who play all three downs, impact the run in the pass, and also can have double digit sack seasons, uh, Latu's all that in a bag of chips. He is his film is. Excellent. I was in such a dark, dire place with this defensive class. The top guys that I've watched, everybody was kind of disappointing me a little bit. Like, I don't know, top fifteen or whatever. I watched Lautu. I was like, thank God, there's at least one. <laughs> he he too, absolutely, hundred percent, right. unequivocally, capital C can, capital P play. And yeah. and I, I'm uh, he's he's edge one for me comfortably uh, with with who I've seen.
4: I couldn't yeah. agree more. So in the like in the hours and hours and hours that you spend studying the draft like there's times where it gets kind of boring like you're watching like some corner like got get targeted twice in a game like you're watching like a whatever the cut up of the game is like just nothing happening it's so nice to have a breath of fresh air type player like this where it's like almost every play he's doing something good it's like wild i it's one of those mm-hmm. things where i'm like looking up i'm like why are we not talking about this guy more like every single play he's just like getting into the backfield it's incredible he's so good uh, but then, of course, it comes with this massive, gigantic caveat um, that could push him down boards quite a bit.
3: So, next up here, we have the Chicago Bears, who would have just taken a quarterback first. And I think the question is like, do they just take a defensive end like Because they're right there with the Falcons with like one of the worst pass rushes in the league last decade. They traded for Montez Sweat at the deadline, and then their defense is way better. But do you go that or do you just grab a receiver? Like, like so, like, do you just put, you know, Caleb Mayor, Drake Williams with Roma Dunze, and put him with DJ Moore, and just mm-hmm. go from there? Or do you uh, try to balance go quarterback and defense?
5: Yeah, I do think that quarterback into receiver is a legitimately viable build. Uh, like which, I, the thing about receivers, you can get really good ones in round two and in round three. And so I don't think, like, I think the Bears clearly need to add a second receiver next to DJ Moore. It, it, it's probably the biggest need on their, rece- on their roster other than quarterback. You can argue you should address it later. I think, like, they can go... Like, they need interior offensive line help, but you're not taking an interior offensive lineman this high, certainly not in this class. Then you can add to the edge rush package, right? Uh, Opposite runner Montez Sweat. If Latsu's not there, I don't really like a guy for it. Um, I, 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 like, say like safety if they were in the if this was the kyle hamilton draft class i would say you know hamilton to make sense as a pick for them but it's not like there's not a safety like that in this class so they might just end up sitting here at nine and going like listen like our biggest need left is a receiver and the top of the receiver class is strong let's just do it let's just go caleb hey, and rome and, and 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 flame thrower
4: football for the next 17 I mean, weeks that yeah that to me makes the most sense yeah yeah
6: yeah don't get cute like if, if we always talk about nature versus nurture like bring caleb williams into an environment where he can really thrive and give him a lot of options tk Outside of DJ Moore, how many Bears wide receivers can you name? Uh, well, I know Darnell Mooney. Yeah.
4: which he, he, might he be should be a free be st- agent.
6: He needs he to be studied. The fall of Darnell Mooney needs to be studied, but it who else? Can- there was no fall. There was never a rise of Darnell Mooney.
5: All the I Darnell thought- Mooney hype was gas. I and thought hilarious. he was good. Erroneous on our side. I time. thought he was yes. good. <laughs> Dece- um, well, uh, I, what's, uh, Forrest Whitaker in Star Wars. Lies,
6: deception, <laughs> that's, that's what that's
4: what Darnell Mooney was. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, your point's well taken. Like they have DJ Moore, and that's about it, really. In they terms have, of like, uh, playmakers, yeah. I mean, they have Colt Ty- Tyler as a tight Scott. End. They got last year out of Cincinnati.
6: Yes, they have Tyler Scott St. Brown. Sure, uh, Equanime St. Brown, Trent Taylor, they have
5: fifth v- receiver as well. Yeah, Trent, Trent Taylor. Taylor
6: Jones, Velas Jones Jr., oh, Velas. who I believe is turning thirty this year. <laughs> <laughs> Hats off to him, Velas. Yeah. So uh, I
4: think them getting a wide receiver makes sense.
6: Give the man the tools to cook. Give Caleb Williams the tools to cook.
4: I feel like it, if you want to be a top offense in the NFL, you need at least two really good receivers. At Strongly least. Strongly agree. And they could just like, you know, just like move right to the top there. If they Especially get when Williams you have a mediocre whoever. tight
6: end, you don't really have any like,
4: you know, hey, don't you say that special running Comet? back. Well, How dare you, know, you sir? You know. no, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Craig's valid. Craig Clears, it's fine. I have a weird loyalty we to Cole it. Komet, but yeah.
6: <laughs>
3: you liked Mooney too, DK. You were a Mooney head. <laughs> That's why I said erroneous. Never. <laughs> Craig's accusing him like they accused Oppenheimer of being a communist in his 20s or whatever. No one, one That was
4: the best. Hey, hey, look, no one forced me to come off of the Mooney train. Like, I was the one who told you guys halfway through the year, I'm like, what is going on with Darnell Mooney? He's just not playing. Like, he keeps messing up.
3: (laughs) Jets are picking 10th. I know I made this joke, but like, you know, general manager Aaron Rodgers, you know, what's he going to do? I I feel like this is just, it's too easy to pencil in like an offensive lineman for them here. And yet, this is a really weird team that I think 30... Ish teams approach the draft like maybe 25 that like we should take a good player and not necessarily think about now. And the Jets are just like on this Aaron Rodgers train.
4: Well, to your point, Heifetz, it, it, I think at the beginning of the year, people were talking about how talented this offense was going to be. Aaron Rodgers drop into this really talented offense. Like outside of Garrett Wilson, like they have Dude, no talent at receiver. You could play
6: the same game, man. I, people yeah. at home, uh, Try to think of a Jets wide receiver, and, and we're not talking about Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard. Like They have Jason Brownlee, Xavier Gibson. Now, I was Ir- going
5: to start naming him. Like, Craig's ruining my favorite
6: game. <laughs> <laughs> Irvin Charles, like Lance McCutcheon. This That's team has nobody ever heard, heard the name. Irvin Lance Charles. McCutcheon, That's Rams preseason great.
3: Irvin like, Charles is not a person. Irvin Who's
4: Charles Irvin is Charles? a real person. False.
3: I Um, I have a
4: half-baked theory. Part of the reason I think you see so many uh, receivers in the top, like 15 of this like mock drafts for this draft, is number one, it's a very very good uh, year for receivers and a lot of talented guys. But I also think like there's a there's a lot of teams that need more talent at receiver. Weirdly enough, because it feels like for a while there was like there's so many good receivers in the league, but I think there's like sort of a weird Middle area. Well, the problem is where- is
6: all the oh, the, there's a lot of teams with two good receivers, and the just the one B guy doesn't have anywhere to shine. Like the Chris Godwins and Jalen Waddles and T. Higgins
3: just should be on their own team now. The Jets also their line is disgusting, though. I think they have to like, yeah. I just think JC Latham, I you know, I I if Joe like if Joe Alt fell in the, the, the Jets, I don't know if I ten spots is pretty low for tackle or fall, but I feel like that yeah. would just be the dream. Like they that need a pro a ready guy. It's kind of like how Tristan Wirfs went to the Bucks and mm-hmm like just stepped in and started all every game and the Bucs won the Super Bowl. Like the Jets, they did that last year and then the flip with the Packers kind of cost them a tackle when they switched. And the Jets kind of just once again need a pro-ready guy. And I don't even know if J.C. Latham is as pro-ready as the other guys, but uh, I just, they seem desperate as hell.
5: The Jets are in a spot where like Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, like they got to win. They got to They got to win again. They got to win it, man. Like it. it you, you've been hanging <laughs> on for a long time and explaining why you haven't produced in the postseason and gotten to the postseason. And so for them, like, like a lot of right, a lot of teams approach the draft like let's build for the future. The Jets is like, who can we plug in now, and it'll make us more likely to win a game. And if your all your chips are in on the Rodgers bet, then you have to prioritize offensive tackle here. You got to trade up for Joel if he's fallen. Like you, you the idea that you can plug and chug a guy in and solve some of your protection issues is massive. They have to be super heavy on attacking offensive tackle if they have the opportunity.
6: I have a question. If you're at pick ten here, and and let's say you're deciding between wide receiver and offensive line, and that's what you really need to to help your 2024. Do you think it's easier to trade for or sign a talented offensive lineman that you can just plug in, who you know will be good, and draft a wide receiver, or the other way around, where you draft a, a young, talented offensive lineman like Alt
3: and try to trade for a wide receiver who you think can help? You get, I think, neither. You get, you go, you draft an offensive lineman in the first. And look, who are the rookie receivers this year drafted outside the first that are like better than Quentin Johnson? Like the, Puka the Tank Tank Dell, Puka Nauha, Jaden Reed. Dontavian Wicks was a fifth rounder Wicks, and is like, sick. like Yeah, but I those mean, are all big I mean, risks, right? Like you need to know this person is going to be good for Aaron Rodgers. Like wouldn't you rather trade just, for a receiver? Not you- like that. There's a half dozen receivers that are actually like starter caliber in, like within 2 months. Yeah, I don't the know supply of linemen, receivers
4: is greater than the supply of tackles.
3: So much bigger. For sure. So they probably the,
4: they probably would be better off taking a tackle even though there's I don't know. There's a learning curve with those guys too. Like this, there's no guarantee that the, any of these guys are going to be like good in year one. You know what I mean?
3: The point is, if you're at the point where you're depending on your first-round pick to immediately start to make your entire offense works, then you've done a bad thing. Uh, Jeff. <laughs> well, so just, I'm looking uh, at
4: the Jets roster right now. Um, yeah, so there's mm-hmm.
3: the top ten. I think the I, I'm interested in. There's kind of after outside the top ten. There's like what I would call like a quarterback alley of teams that don't have to, but like could totally trade up for a guy. Uh, Vikings are at eleven. The Broncos who are probably going to cut Rosser at 12. The Raiders are at 13, where they just have Aiden O'Connell. The Saints are at 14 with their Ponzi scheme and Derek Carr. The Colts are 15. They have Anthony Richardson. Seahawks at 16 and Geno Smith. Uh, and then from there, I'm curious, maybe not in the first round, but if you guys had a bet, if you were one of the, let's say the Vikings, for example. The Vikings don't want to do one in the first, but the second round, then maybe they trade up to the last pick of the first, whatever. If you had to take, voice crack, wow, that was bad. If you had to take a bet on one of these guys to be Jordan, Jordan Love, you had to take a bet on one of these quarterbacks and they're all available. Like Drake May and Caleb Williams are gone. And there's JJ McCarthy to Michigan. There's Michael Penix out of Washington, who's, you know, probably been the best, but also a lot of injuries and like a limited player. Then you got Quinn Ewers ended up going back to Texas. Yeah. You got Jaden Daniels out of LSU, Bonix out of Oregon. Who are you taking your who are you taking uh the risk and you want to sit for two years? Uh DK, I'll start with you.
4: You gotta say it first, DK. So I don't know. Well, to say hold, it. hold on. Did you? Are we including Jaden
3: Daniels in this group or no? Uh, no. Let's say Jaden Daniels. Fine. Let's let's take him out. Fine.
4: <laughs> I mean, I would go with Penix. Yep. Oh, Penix. Oh, yeah. Are you gonna dang. say McCarthy? No, Nicks? it's Boneix. Well, there's it's a Nix, Nix and a Penix, which is weird.
5: Yeah, it'd be Bo Nix for me. Uh, Nick's I, I think, actually has like legitimately improved over the last year, two years of Oregon football. I've been, I've been impressed with the recent Bo Nix film. Which, similarly, to like the Jaden Daniels thing. Like, man, if you told me Jaden Daniels was going to be a good player at LSU, I would have been stunned. Boy, if you told me that. After that Bo Auburn film, I'd be on a podcast at some point being like, man, I'll tell you, this Bo Nix might develop into something at <laughs> the NFL level. I would have knocked you upside the head or have thought you were crazy. Um, but he has improved as a passer. Processing is better. Pocket management is better. Risk management is better. He doesn't cause many issues. Uh, and there's still obviously legitimate uh, movement talent there. And there's there's arm, arm talent there too. Uh, Penix for me, like it's it's harder for me to see a developmental arc with Penix because of his amount of experience because he kind of is what right. he is at this point. I think Nix, you've seen a little bit more growth. Uh, McCarthy, I don't think, is the... Uh, size and and play style to
4: succeed at the NFL level. I wouldn't want to take the risk. So Knicks would be my choice. I'd be willing to take a take a shot on McCarthy, um, especially if we're talking about specifically the two or three year plan where you sit for a little while. I think the other the, the big advantage that McCarthy has over some of these other guys is he's twenty years old. He's going to turn twenty one in January. Um, Penix is twenty three. Knicks is twenty three. I want to say, um, and so like there's a natural growth and development arc that you can bake in. Like, Jordan Love coming out of college, he was really good his second to last year in college, and then his final year in college, the whole coaching staff changed, all his receivers left, and he regressed horrifically. His numbers did anyway. And I remember watching his tape, and he's, like, spraying the ball all over the place. He's, like, trying way too hard to make plays, turning the ball over a ton. And so there was a lot of, like, big, huge question marks about this guy coming into the draft. And so I think you you see some similarities in terms of McCarthy, like, wasn't asked to do very much this uh this season in terms like in the national championship game he had like 10 completions you know and so like is this a first round prospect i don't know but i think tools wise um and his ability like you know his numbers on third down were strong like i think there's some things to work with there i i'd be willing to take a shot on him i just don't think i would take him in the early part of the first round just because we just haven't seen enough from him you know what i mean so like if we're talking about those late first early second type players to to draft and then develop for a few years I'd be willing to do that with McCarthy.
3: So you're saying McCarthy, if you take him too high, might be a bust or, you know, he, he might, bust, might yeah. just bust. He might yeah. bust. Yeah. On that note, I think, just get to an email real quick. We were talking about, you know, the great bus saga of last week <laughs> where DK just says, yeah, McCarthy's going to bust. And I'm like, I am. I the dirty mind one to hear. Anyway, get an email from um, Hanlon. We also also
6: titled our our latest podcast uh, Eagles and Cowboys Bust for all of our fans at home. (laughs) So if you caught that, that was a deliberate decision.
3: Don't forget Jordan love and CJ Stroud edging our greatness. (laughs) Yeah. So Hanlon writes that Heifetz is right. That saying the word bust outside of NFL circles is a very, very different meaning. Inevitably, when I hear this in the NFL context, I can't help but think of uh, the other meaning. However, the context within the context also matters because Dika saying Penix is going to bust is just insane and not the way the word should be used. And my skin crawls when Dika uses it that way. Having said mm. that, saying Penix might be a bust is totally fine. I agree. You either use it as a noun, meaning flop or failure. You use it as a verb with a noun after it, i.e. Ben saying Michigan busted the coverage on this play or the corner busted his assignment. In that context, it can be a verb. It's totally fine. I don't know why Heifetz gets so worked about those worked up about those. It just needs to be referring to something and not the last word in the phrase. Uh, I think that's all correct. I think
4: think this email is a bust. Yeah, I I respectfully disagree. I mean, I feel like we went over all this. I just disagree.
6: (laughs) You would say that this, this, you You guys would say this email busted. We would say this email was a
4: bust.
3: Hanlon, Hanlon, Hanlon,
4: your points are well taken. And I logically, I understand what you're saying. I, however, just disagree. I'm going to continue to use it the way that I use
3: it. Carry on. Carry the hell on. (laughs) <laughs> so my cousin Vinny was like, "That is, Mr. Gambini, that is a lucid, clear, well-thought-out objection. Overruled.
4: <laughs> All right, well. Also, I'll, t- I'll refrain from saying Penix is g- Penix is going to bust. Penix is going to bust. I'll yeah, I'll I refrain say, let's, from- let's relax on the P there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the first the, syllable is a little strong. <laughs> the wrong and fastest on the wrong syllable. I'm going to stop saying Penix is going to bust. All right, I'll do that for you.
6: He's another junior, isn't he? P- Michael Penix Jr., isn't that his name?
4: <laughs> yeah, Penix. Oh right. Yeah.
3: Thank you, DK. Thank you, Song. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, everyone behind the scenes. Thank you, Kai, for producing this episode. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Tucker. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Emails of RingourFantasyFootball Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Buster Rhymes. Nice. We did get a lot of emails about like things with that. Like um the Ghostbusters has the Bustin. It's like Bustin. Yeah, there's a lot of songs with that, but like from like, you know. I don't want to break into those 40 years
4: after we had this show, after we had this discussion, um, we were talking after the show and, and somebody suggested that I just start using nutted instead of bust. (laughs) And then seeing how people feel about that. I was like, "Oh yeah, I I get that. (laughs) They'll feel worse. (laughs) Like if I said like, Oh, Penix nutted there big time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's if I understand like your point of view now, like that makes more sense to me. Um, That is what we I'm, you know, I'm open
3: That's, to it. Yeah,
6: I refuse. We hear that and put up with it every single day.
4: <laughs> got,
6: we got
3: this email from a guy named Cam who was like hit him and his wife were at a diner, Cam. and then she was telling about his Cam, his day was being bad or Her sorry, her day was his wife's telling her him that his her day she had a bad day. Sorry, I don't know what this. She had a bad. day. <laughs> okay. She had a bad day, and she was <laughs> like, right? wait, I was just so on. mad. I was. She was like, I'm ready to bust a nut, and he was like, What? <laughs> and she was like, I'm ready to bust a nut. He's She's like, like Check, and she please. thought that just meant. She thought that just meant that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she thought it just meant like you were having extreme emotions, right, right, right. And he bust was like, a "Well, gasket,
4: blow a gasket is probably what she was thinking." Yeah. <laughs> I'm just now thinking of the the
5: what context did she hear "busting a nut" in, where she was like, <laughs> "Oh, just extreme emotions." What was being
4: said at, at the yeah. time? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, busting a nut is a Uh, extreme extreme emotions
6: perhaps
3: Uh, the most extreme you know Google says that
6: bust a nut it can be used both to mean ejaculate and also to work hard
4: (laughs) okay I've never heard it in that context (laughs) Uh, the English language is so versatile
3: goodbye everyone Must be 21 plus and present in select states. is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-PROTECTS-NEXT-STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. one 770 stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call one 800 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.